Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Morgan's Farm to Table Studios brings you today's edition of The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 and Nicollet and Burnsville. Taste the difference, award winning. The Howl would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics on everybody's favorite sport, basketball. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, Isabel Street Heat adding a bit of spice into your everyday life, Tong Jerky, quality, soft, and flavorful steak jerky for everyone to enjoy. And our audio on tonight's show is brought to you by Rode Microphones, studio quality with easy accessibility since 1967. I am the Pluto is a Planet of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron I Need a Nap Groshong, the producer of the show. And to my left is none other than Rob Dunks in his dreams, Hess, who is the jack of all trades for the program. First quarter, we say goodbye to the Wolves season that was by looking ahead to the offseason. We will feature a favorite from last season, our free agent tournament bracket. And here we will also preview the upcoming Minnesota Lynx season as we hope to be your go-to Minnesota Lynx show. Second quarter tonight is our talker segment where we have plenty of NBA and WNBA news to cover. Just like the Lynx first practice, this show promises to be relaxing and enjoyable. So sit back and enjoy the sweet sounds of the howl one of the howl here on dash radio's nothing but net channel and guys the timberwolves season the 2017 2018 season has officially been put to rest uh with a a pretty hard statement uh on it with that uh, game five loss to the houston rockets so now we get into other things we get into free agency we get into the draft but the first thing that i want to touch on is the wnba The Minnesota Lynx season starts very shortly. Uh, First preseason game is on the 6th 
of May. So coming up uh, on Sunday. And I believe they have two preseason games, the 6th and the 12th, and then they start their season. So training camp is open. The Lynx season is starting. This is a championship team looking for back-to-back titles. We just had the draft. They got the local gal, Carly Wagner. Huge, huge pickup there. They made some good free agency moves. They made some good draft moves. Aaron... What are your thoughts on how this offseason went here for the Minnesota Lynx? Well, I think it's a very interesting offseason. I can't really put my pulse on it, other than the fact that I'm very intrigued on what they're going to look like as a team come the regular season. Because if you remember, going back to last season, the bench is completely gone. They've just brought in three new players to fill that void. Um, The new players... Um, you have Lynette Kaiser, Danielle Robinson, Tanisha Wright. And this is some of the biggest obstacles they have is is building this bench that can support the star cast of Simone Augustus, Sylvia Falls, Maya Moore, Rebecca Brunson, Lindsay Whalen. That starting five, which has proven to be time and time again a WNBA champion. The question is... Can they repeat? Cheryl Reeb has the formula. She has the sauce. She has the the secrets kept in the kitchen. I mean, she knows what she's doing in regards. The Bush's baked beans secret family recipe. And she's not letting anybody know <laughs> it, but we know it. It's that it's that crew right there. Um, that five headed monster they call the starting five of the the Minnesota Lynx. Um, Kevin, you said we have the preseason opener. That's the Lynx versus the Mystics Sunday, May sixth, three. 30 Eastern, 2.30 Central. Check it out. It's at the Wells Fargo Arena. If I'm not mistaken, that's where the Iowa Wolves play. Is that correct, Rob? Um, Is where? The the Iowa Wolves uh, play at the Wells Fargo Arena. That's where the the Lynx preseason game is. Um, The season opener is fast around the corner. It's on the 20th. They open up against the Sparks. That's at Target Center. It's a nationally televised game. You can watch it on ESPN2, May 20th at 3 o'clock, Twin Cities time. In regards, Kevin, to the season, I want to see how the team gels and clicks. I guess from what I saw, the reports coming out of the, the first day of training camp was the team looked sharp. The new players look sharp. Maya Mora is still competing overseas. I think they're up 2 nothing in their European championship game. So I got to be honest. I look at it from afar, and I think here's your number one stud player still playing basketball about to roll into a training camp and dive right into a, a full-on WNBA season, which is compressed, I might add. I worry about something like that, but I'm not the player. I'm not the coach. They'll know how to play, how to manage minutes, how to, how hard to train, how, how, you know, when to take rest. So I trust their professionals that they're proven. They know what they're doing. So um, Maya Moore should, for all intents and purposes, be in prime form coming right into the WNBA season. And I think that's what fans have a lot to look forward to. I think so. Before we move on, just to kind of go over kind of what we talked about earlier, but the off season, I actually um, think that they've done a pretty good job in the off season of trying to mitigate the losses. You know, they lost Renee Montgomery, who was obviously a big piece, key backup um, guard. Yes, you know, I think they did some good stuff to bolster their bench. Uh, you bring in Lynette Kaiser. Uh, I think that was a really important uh, a thing to do. Uh, the D- Daniel Robinson trade. 
you know, I actually got in an argument with a guy on Twitter. I won't call him out or anything, but I personally think the Daniel Robinson trade is a good trade. Part of the, the thing you have when you're a championship team is rookies aren't necessarily going to get a lot of playing time this next season when you've kept your starting lineup and a decent amount of your players. I think a good, solid veteran can do a better job, especially in this case of backing up Lindsey Whalen off the bench. While I know the knock that this gentleman had on Twitter was that Daniel Robinson doesn't shoot threes, and you know, like we talked about with Cheryl Reeve, uh, three-pointers are very important, but at the same time, so is defense. Daniel Robinson's a solid defender, and I do think they did a good job of addressing shooting. Now, again, second-round picks are not guaranteed to make WNBA rosters. Far from it, just like in the NBA. Uh, but I do think uh, Carly Wagner, with her shooting, could really help out, and I think that could really give you some nice uh, shooting depth. Um, you know, to kind of uh, call out, uh, give a shout-out to one of our other shows on Nothing But Net, uh, WNBA Insider, he says specifically that. He mentions how, you know, initially he didn't think the Lynx had a very strong draft, but upon consideration, he kind of realized that while the first-round pick would have been nice, he thinks they really maybe bolstered their depth by getting Daniel Robinson to help on the defensive end. But then he thinks that Carly Wagner, because she was such a good shooter, uh, he thinks that could actually end up helping out. Uh, 42%, 42% from the field, uh, 41% from three-point land for Carly Wagner in her college career. So she put up some solid numbers. I think she'll be able to help out. And now to your point, uh, what you were talking about with Maya Moore, I do wonder if she's going to have you know sore legs, tired legs. You know, she's 28 years old. You know, she's not, you know, 22, 23, you know, and she plays year-round basketball. I mean, at a certain point, you would think, anyways, that's kind of kind of wear on you. It would. And there's other players, too. For instance, Sylvia Falls um, was participating in Team USA activities. You know, they had an exhibition game, I believe, in China on April 27th. So you're talking long travel and, and some games. You know, I do have to try to remember, you know, my 28-year-old self, I I could play basketball for hours, and I played every day. So I got to believe with the training, some of the rehabilitation aspects of the sport, which I definitely had as just an amateur guy playing pickup ball that they have access to, it'll help them. Um, Another point of concern, I think, for this team, and I I truly feel it's credible, you're looking at two core leaders of the squad and i'm talking about cheryl reeve and lindsey whalen having you know double duties for the first time in their career you have um, cheryl reeve operating now as the general manager of the team as well additional responsibility and lindsey whalen who has accepted a, a new coaching job with the minnesota gophers women's basketball team which we'll touch more on in uh, quarter two as well exactly so I'm just saying, you know, that's some extra stuff. There's some new variables in the mix. I'm not saying that they can or cannot handle it. I actually would uh, like to believe that they can handle all of it and then some because they wouldn't take it on if they didn't think so. So I just want to point out that there are some very new wrinkles into the fold here uh, when it comes into this season. And we're talking about a season where this team's going all in to win another WNBA championship and their first back-to-back championship, Kevin. I was just going to say the the Minnesota Lynx, you know, the the core, the, you know, Waylon and and Maya Moore and and Simone, they've they've won multiple titles. They're tied with the Houston Comets for most WNBA titles in league history. But the one thing is still kind of missing and that's that back-to-back you know, championship. That's I think that's the the final stamp on the dynasty 
uh, tag here that that you know we're we're all placing on the links. I mean, you know, the links have been pretty dominant over the last years. Um, yeah, they haven't won a title every year, but they've you know been in the finals or won the finals. Seems like darn near every year for the last what six seven years. I mean, the the, the last step that we're missing in this seems to me is a back to back title. You know, I mean, and then that's that's the last kind of key in that that dynasty cog. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if if well, they can get there. It throws you into the goat conversation. It does immediately um, once you do that with not only the longevity of the domination but the success of the domination. It instantly throws you into that greatest of all time category, not only as a team and organization, um, and some of the players involved. Um, all can be in that conversation. So very interesting season for the Minnesota Lynx. And for those that are tuning into the nothing but net channel here on dash radio, you know, check out some of the other WNBA shows that we have on the channel. You're going to love the content. It's going to be produced weekly um, here on the how we'll have content for you as the WNBA season folds out. And I'm excited guys. I, you know, I'm sitting here and I can't wait. I, I want to see how they look playing game speed. And, uh, you know, once the regular season kicks off, I mean, I repeat. Yes, I do. I think they do too. I think they do too. I, I think I it's going to be super it's... hard though. Yeah. It's not going to yep. be easy. You know, going over, I will say this. So, uh, we pulled up, um, a sports book online just to kind of look at the odds and we are the favorites. Uh, but a close second is the sparks. And after that, they don't really give anyone else a chance. It drops pretty significantly. The next closest team would be the Liberty at plus 1,200. Um, and then if you go kind of down to the end, uh, the Indiana Fever, the odds of them winning plus 10,000. Yep, the 100-to-1 so. shot there. Um, you know, yeah, I, for me it's a two-horse race, and it's the teams that have been fighting and winning the championships. It's the Sparks and the Lynx. I think they have the most talent, the the size and talent. That's key. Uh, you know, especially WNBA basketball, Rob. I look at if if you're you, if you can have a big or a player over six feet that can play multiple positions, you're in just a fantastic place. You know, you big look at really you does. look at what the Sparks are doing with Candace Parker. Um, I think she is going to be more motivated than ever going into this season. I can guarantee she didn't take that loss. Um, you know, laying down, I I can tell that she wants to be back there, and I think Agreed. she ha- she has the talent and skill to will the Sparks, and it's really going to be the for me the links and the Sparks, and and who can be the healthiest, and who's playing the best basketball at the end of the season. You want to be in that groove. So here we go, guys, buckle up, uh, get ready for some fun. WNBA season's right around the corner. Yeah, one thing I wanted to touch on real quick here, and then we'll get into the uh, uh, the Wolves. So the Lynx play the Sparks to open the season May 20th. They play them again exactly two weeks later on, uh, uh, let's see, what day is that? The 3rd of June. Okay. And then they don't see them again until July 5th. And you then they go play to the game? them exactly a month later. <laughs> we should go to the game, man. We should. One game. It would be a great game to go to. That atmosphere is going to be intense. If you're only going to go to one game, I feel like that would be the game to go to. I, I do strongly say go to more. And their season tickets are very affordable for the Lynx. Yep. 
Single game tickets are just as a fun. I mean, it's it's, it's a great atmosphere to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Wings get to have see some the, great fans. They yep. really do. Very, very, very passionate. So that's uh, I think that's going to have to be a howl outing. Howl yeah, outing. So. All right, let's move along to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like I said, losing 4-1 to the Houston Rockets in the first round. Uh, guys, I mean, what what we've been what we've been saying for a long time, the three of us have all said on t- on uh, Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Did Kevin have a slippy? Yeah, I almost had a uh, Freudian slip there. Um, uh, free agency Tinder's on the mind. <laughs> it is. Yeah, free agency is. Tinder's on we're, the mind. We're getting there. I'm, I'm swiping right on a bunch of players this offseason. Uh, I mean, whether it's you know illegal screens, the hardened step back, that's a travel, uh, the lack of Wolves D, the lack of Wolves intensity. I mean, it's... There's, there's a lot of different storylines that we can run with here. Uh, one positive I want to start with. Let's, let's start with a positive here. There were a couple players that I guess at least I can say I did not expect to step up in the way that they did. The first one, based off of how he played in the regular season, I was very impressed with how Andrew Wiggins stepped up. He seemed a lot more engaged in the playoffs, um, at least for the majority of the series. I know he wasn't perfect throughout, but... He did look a lot more engaged. Uh, the other player, uh, strictly basketball, the way that he played and the way that he contributed off the bench was Derrick Rose. Agreed. On both counts. You definitely saw a different... I thought Wiggins was different. He was he was very similar to what you see when we played the Cavaliers yep. in the playoffs. And Derrick Rose, I thought, played very well. Obviously, the concern there is how much is Tom Thibodeau going to pay the guy? Because I'd be shocked if he's not a wolf next year. I would be too, but the the thing is, is you have to be able to get them for cheap. I mean, you don't you don't have, you really don't have the money if you're trying to keep Jimmy Butler and Wiggins and Towns. You don't have the money to be overpaying Derrick Rose. The key is you have to if if you're Derrick Rose, I think there's a chance you can get him for like the veteran man. And the reason I say that is because he's tried other teams and he hasn't succeeded like he did here. Like I feel like he needs Tom Thibodeau. So if you were to say, look, man, we're going to give you a one-year deal. We're going to make you – you're going to play some spot minutes. You know, I think I think going to next year, I think we can agree that Rose will probably play a lot more minutes than he did in the regular season this year. It'll probably be more like playoff Rose. And if you tell him, look, we're going to give you a one-year deal and we're going to give you a chance to earn one last big contract because he's got to prove it long-term. I mean, just because he played good in the playoffs, that's so short-term. You can't give the guy who's always injured – because even this season – he got injured almost immediately when he came back. And so you can't trust him to stay healthy. I think if you offer him the minimum for one year, I think he'd be tempted to say yes because he has the greatest chance of success here in Minnesota. Echoing your point, Rob, I cannot imagine a scenario where Rose is not on the Wolves roster. He had a solid playoff run, and you almost wish he could bottle him up and say, okay, hey, buddy, just take care of your body. You really don't have to do much in the regular season. Just just show us what you can do in the playoffs, right? Because you worry that, you know, you play 82 games, you play 75 games, whatever the case may be, something's going to happen along that way. I do wonder what happened to Belly in the playoffs. You know, Tyus, I think, was a little quiet for me in my liking um, in the playoffs. You know, you, you wonder how this offseason is going to shake out for the squad. Um, can I, can I ask you a question Aaron? Sure. before, before you kind of get away from the, the area that I wanted to ask, did you see anything from belly in the early stages of game one and two that 
you would say kind of warranted his his lack of playing time in in three, four, and five. I just didn't think he could match up well with the Rockets. Tom Thibodeau discussed that in his. So today he had his end of season press conference. He specifically mentioned that they would go small and Belly couldn't guard guys. And if you watched, he gets beat pretty quickly. He's not quick enough to yeah. guard those smaller players. His center Belly center of gravity. He he's not a guy that's getting down low enough to move laterally. So. You could blow by him, and because the the Rockets are playing that style of basketball, where it's I'm either going to shoot a three or we're going to get a layup, it's tough for him to guard the perimeter, especially deep perimeter, and then make it back to the basket. So, in terms of paper matchups, it was a nightmare for him. And if you if, since you got me going here, Kevin, I'm proud of this Timberwolves team. For what we had to work through this season, I mean, we had some major up and downs, not only on the court, but on the show here in in terms of just, you know, ride or die with this team. It was all over the place. Game one, it felt like that thing slipped through our hands. And, oh, man, would that have been amazing if we would have got that. if you had found a way to win that. Game two felt like what the letdown is. I mean, if you haven't been around basketball enough – that game, too, is exactly what happens when you're sort of the undermatched underdog and you sniff the mountaintops only to let it fall between the cracks. And you see what happens. You get blown out the door. The response for Game 3, one of the best games we've seen at Target Center in our lifetimes, okay, we got to experience that this year. Let's not forget that. That place was rocking. And even if you want to go back before the series, the the playoff clincher against the Nuggets, I mean, that was some stuff right there, guys. An overtime win uh, on the home floor. Let's face it. For good, bad, or indifference, it was a great ride. Happy to have been a part of it. And it's truly all eyes north, man, because we're going we're gonna to have the draft coming up. The playoffs is is a thing of the past right now. I think it was so important for them to see what it was like. And we probably are losing to the eventual NBA champions when I'm talking about the Houston Rockets. So let's not hang our hats too low. Let's uh, keep everything going forward. And let's hope that this front office can put together one heck of a draft in free agency. It's what we need. You know, I will give... uh... So I want to go just real quickly, that Rockets series. So I reached out to a number of uh, NBA people, including, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with who Ronnie Nunn is. Ronnie Nunn's like a, an expert official. He was in the league for a number okay. of years. Um, although I can't find where he sent it to me now. He may have actually deleted it, which is surprising. But uh, I had a conversation with him, and I sent him uh, a video of one of the screens that the Rockets were setting. And for everyone that watched that series, they get away with screen bat, illegal screens on almost every possession. It's yes. pretty crazy. Specifically, Clint Capella, and he responded and said, "No question, those are illegal screens." And he can't believe he can't believe they're not called. Yeah, the Rockets have found the formula for finding the two things or three things that they need the most, which are completely illegal, but they've disguised it to the point in which the refs aren't calling. Which is the travels. I mean, I don't know, especially with the illegal screens, I don't know that they're even trying to hide it. Kind of. It, 
one of the things is if if there's like some razzle dazzle dribbling, if there's other actions going on, it's almost like a magic trick, right? It's like look at it over here as yep. I deceive you on this hand, and and that's the Rockets. You know, James Harden, for instance, you're so enamored by his stardom and all all this he's got going on, you're not you're missing the little double toe tap, which turns it from a two step to a four step, you know. And and allows him to get perfectly set up and get his proper shooting foundation and feet squared. You're, you're missing that. I don't understand how you don't go into the series, and actually it becomes detrimental to your team. I would think just blatant disregard of the rules in those two areas that the refs would be locked in on that to a point of it's like hypersensitivity. You know, I I remember this play. It was actually, I think, right after that classic hardened step back where it was like the five steps. I think the next play, Gorgie got it down at the end of the court, and he got called for a travel, which, by the way, he gets called for a travel a lot. He does. And he did not travel on that play. And it's like, what in the – I I don't know how many times in all the basketball I've ever played I've seen a travel get called that wasn't a travel. Yep. It's very rare because the only situations where traveling truly gets called where it's just like grossly obvious and it happens because it happens so fast. And let's face it, we're very, very rarely are we looking at the footwork of the player. We're usually looking for body contact, arm contact, hand contact, that type of thing. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the NBA does this offseason in terms of rules. If they try to address this, they've been very proactive. And I've seen them take away a number of these kind of moves. You know, the, the sweep through move. Um, the Harden it, kick. It, the Harden coming off the hard screens. And, and well, well, I think it was Reggie late. Miller that got the kicks taken out because he was doing that all the time. Um in Harden with his uh, his pull up short kind of jump shots where you know a little bit of contact and get called for the falls. But um, before I end this, I do want to say I thought Jeff Teague played an, an amazing series. I loved his um, tenacity. I thought he looked really he tough. He plays really hard. I mean, he does. Yes. So um, in terms of team play, I think Towns. Now that he's been there, he needs to step it up. Um, I thought he had a, a poor series. I know he could do a lot better, and I bet you he believes he can do a lot better. I thought he got off to a horrible start. Capella dominated him games one and two in the closeout game, and you know, you just got you just got to take it to him. It's there a was good too first many effort though from it, the Wolves themselves. Yes, you know, the first time in the playoffs, it's a good experience. Uh, by the way, Ronnie, none. I went onto his account, and they are still there. That he had quote tweeted me. That's why I didn't see it on mine on my end. But he, yeah, he specifically says. Uh, if they're getting away with it as much as as I pointed out to him, he said that's definitely a problem on the season as a whole. Uh, there was someone else that responded and jumped in and was like, well, that's just the norm now. Every team does that. It always happens. I was like, no, no, it doesn't. That's never a good answer. I was like, it's, not really... the, it's definitely not the norm. I mean, I, we watch just as much basketball as probably anybody, NBA specifically, and I don't know any other team that gets away with it like they do. Maybe the – I know the Warriors do it at times – uh, Draymond Green, for instance, sometimes gets away with some kind of iffy screens, but there's no team that's close in terms of. Screens. You know, KG used to set some some iffy screens as well, and it happens. Okay, you you get excited, you're moving too fast. Maybe the guy uh, rushes the pick and roll, and okay, but 
when you're intentionally like training your players to set these illegal screens like that, mm-hmm. you know that's different. Okay. What do you think, Kev? Should we move on to the the free agency tournament? Yeah, let's let's go ahead and do this. Uh, Rob, you are the brains behind the operation, so kind of break down what we got here. So it's uh, sixteen players. It's going to be in a similar mold to what you see in the NCAA tournament. We did this last year. For anyone that remembers, um, who was who was the winner? It was uh, the Spur. What's his name? The Spur. Yeah, it came down to so. Oh, oh we, it was. Patty, Patty Mills. Patty Mills was one of them, but we also had uh, your guy. Plays for the Magic now. Totally drawn a blank on his name. Fournier? No, no, no. no, no. Oh, what? I know your name. <laughs> yeah, why am I drawing? That it, makes me sad. We're all, we're all, fi- we're all. Defender. Jonathan Simmons? That's yes. it. Yeah, Jonathan Simmons Kevin made up was, for was it. in there as well. So a couple names uh, that we really liked. And obviously, you know, the Wolves did not go after those players. But I think we can look back and say they definitely would have been good additions. Um, so let's see what we can uh, come up with this time. Fair enough. That sounds good to me. And, uh, Rob, before you start, just a reminder, you're listening to The Howl on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. This is our quarter one. So let's start with uh, our first matchup. And, again, I'm not, I am not. I didn't really say, like, well, these are all like, great players. I just went off of players that could possibly be attainable. So, like, Kevin Durant's not on this list. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's re- it's supposed are you, to be a little you, more Are you realistic. saying that we don't have a chance to get Kevin Durant? Well, probably not. Although in our I would agree with segment that. later, we'll talk about uh, how the Wolves could have gotten LeBron. God, <laughs> that was close. We had to choose. So uh, let's start it off. How many players are we talking about? 16? 16 total. Yep. Okay. So uh, the first uh, matchup is uh, KCP and Isaiah Thomas. Okay, I know who I'd pick. I think it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, it's a no-brainer for me. Uh, so let's start with you, Aaron. What's your What's your vote? KCP. I gotta go KCP. Yep, as a sweep. K. We don't. C- we don't need another point guard. I put much? Isaiah Thomas in there just because he's not gonna make a lot of money. Probably he's got some injuries. Um, I mean, as, as a cheap option. I mean, look, I would. I would prefer to keep Derrick Rose over getting right. Isaiah Thomas just because I know exactly what I'm gonna get out of D Rose. And you don't know when Isaiah Thomas is gonna be back or if he's ever gonna be healthy there's, again. There's a lot of question marks mm-hmm. with IT. So for that reason I would go KCP over uh over IT. And how much was KCP making? I thought he was making like ten mil, something well, like that. He he ended up like you know it's a one year deal yep. that he signed with the Lakers and he hasn't had a great season. Not not like he he was better with the Pistons. Yes. So, yes he was. Which is why I put him on the list. And he's likely not gonna stay with LA. Correct. And so that he's the kind of guy that you might look at for Ooh. that mid level exception that we're gonna have. We're gonna have Ooh. the full mid level probably i like it all right so next matchup uh, and again there's no specific reason why each guy's matched up uh jeff green nerland's noel interesting this one intrigues me a bit i I'll, I'll go first on this one aaron i'm gonna have to go with jeff green for the sole purpose of i i've seen what nerland's brings to the table and he kind of reminds me a little bit as a. Uh, he brings like a dirty dish. Yeah, he, he brings. <laughs> he brings. Yeah, he brings a, a plate of uh, of half-eaten food, and that's that's my issue. Is I see him kind of as a Dwight Howard 2.0. Seems to me like he might be a little bit of a locker room cancer, and that's not something I, I want. Agree. So I got to go Jeff Green. He's got the skills, but I just don't know that I want the baggage. So yeah. I'm going to go Jeff Green. Uh, Nerlens appears to have never been in a proper situation. It is very interesting if he were to come here. Um, that he could play inspired next to Towns. I would take Jeff Green in this matchup simply because he's a veteran. 
from what his body of work speaks to the fact that he's a true professional. Yep. He takes his craft serious, especially coming off that major heart surgery he had. I think his story. I mean, just a quality veteran, I think, you'd be yes. in there. And not, you're not spending a ton of money. That's the kind of guy this team needs to fill out the depth. So moving to the next one, I think I like this one. So Belly or Bellinelli? Oh, oh boy! To this me, is... to me, it's it's not as close as it is you might think. I don't think. I'm, let me go first. I'm gonna say if if I could pick either one, I would like Bielitsa back. I just don't think he wants to be back because he doesn't play, and so I don't. And I don't know. Tom Thibodeau likes him. He doesn't love him. Um, so it's but tough. does but does Tibbs love anybody on this team except know. for Taj and Jimmy? <laughs> so I'm gonna say Belly just because I think uh, there's a chemistry there. Obviously, I'd like to keep him. I think if you could utilize his skill set a little better next season, it could be a big deal. And you can keep you can go over by signing him. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I wanted to say Bellinelli, but then I thought about it more, Rob. And I think you're right. I think Bielitsa, especially from his position, being a, a big, I did like some of his activity on the rebounding end of things where you're not going to really get that from Bellinelli. And I think at guard, given Teague and Rose and Tyus, it's a crowded house there. So I would go with Belitza. I think Bellinelli's a little bit of a one-trick pony, too, at this stage. You're kind of bringing him in for a shot. True. Which is fine, but, you know. So I'm going to have to uh, uh, state my case here, it sounds like, and, and fight for this. I mean, sure, but we already voted, so. <laughs> I'm going Bellinelli, uh, even though I am in the minority. Uh, the biggest thing the Wolves need, besides defense, is three-point shooting and shooting in general and bench depth. I mean, there's there's still a lot of Those areas all the, the things Wolves... that Belly brings, though. But I, I think I like Bellinelli as a shooter better than Belly. He's younger, he's bigger. I, I still got to go Bellinelli. Okay, but I mean it doesn't matter because I'm in the minority. But and there's I'm going to yeah. voice my opinion anyways. So Belly it is. Yeah. Next one, Ed Davis or JJ Redick. Oof. Oh my, I got to go. Okay, I I I I have a caveat. If you can get him for cheaper than what he signed for in Philly, JJ Redick all day. He's going to cost a lot. But that's the thing. So I think for me, based off of what we have available cap space-wise, Ed Davis makes the most sense. What do you think, Aaron? That's tough. I think J.J. would be a perfect piece to make a deep run in the playoffs. And I think Ed Davis and, is going to make more than you think. For, for the record, I'm, I'm in full agreement. I would love J.J. Redick on this team. I just think money-wise, it's not going to work. I mean, you're going to have the option to give a guy like four years, 36, and – you know, Doogie, friend of the show, reported last year that JJ Redick would have come here last year had we just offered him a, a longer deal. And and my understanding is we basically didn't even approach him. So maybe Thibs doesn't like him. I don't know. But for me, I would love JJ Redick if you could kind of use him instead of Jamal Crawford. Yes. You know, that'd be that'd be big for me. Especially because we saw what Jamal Crawford could do in the playoffs, and that's basically nothing. I'm gonna go JJ Redick. I'll just jump in. I'm saying JJ Redick. So you're the deciding vote. Choose wisely. I think it's J.J. Redick. If if you had a choice between the two, if money was no option, you'd pick J.J. Redick. I think Ed Davis is going to get paid a decent amount, too. So, J.J.'s moving on. He's moving on up. 
All right, next one. This is kind of a fun one. Danny Green or Michael Beasley? Oh, this is. Boy. I think this one's pretty obvious, but I, I wanted to throw the other guy in there anyways. Who's the other guy? <laughs> That's for me to know and you to find out. Man. Let's go to you first, Aaron. I'd take Danny Green. Do you want to know why? I mean, I think it's obvious why. Veteran. Uh mindful decent defender yeah mindful player good shooter knows how to win beasley has some amazing games he had some fantastic games with the nixus last season except i just see too much inconsistency and i don't want to be having to rely on michael beasley in a closeout game he's not the right nba playoff i don't think he's the right fit for what we're building here kevin kevin Back to you in a vote so that Danny doesn't Green, matter. By the way, I should just throw that. I'm Danny Green. <laughs> Danny Green. Yeah, I, see, I'm, I I'm just gonna. I'm gonna shut my mouth on that one. Danny Green. Okay. Next one, Wayne Ellington or Trevor Ariza. Ooh, let me go first on this one. I'm gonna go Wayne Ellington. Ooh, really? I saw what he uh, what he did this season. All right. I like I like Wayne Ellington. I'm not gonna complain I, when he comes back. I think I I wish we I wish we would have kept him around. It was tough at the time. It, it was. It was tough at the but, time. But uh, I think now we have the opportunity to get him back, and if he can continue to shoot like he's been shooting, I like I said, one of the biggest things we have in, we had an issue with was Ben shooting, mm-hmm. shooting in general. So let's go get the guy that you know dominated off the bench. I, I I'm okay either way here. This is almost like a coin flip for me. I like Trevor Ariza though. Brings a little defense. Good shooter. I think ultimately though, I will go. Yeah, I'm gonna go Trevor Ariza. So we leave it down to Aaron again. And then there was one. Trevor Ariza is very interesting, um, especially because he's been there before. And I'm talking about playoff games and key key games. Wayne Ellington, I do think that's who I would choose because I saw what he did when the Heat came to town. I was at the game at Target Center. I think he had six threes in that game. (laughs) I... I, I had, killer when he's here apparently my my friend had the those courtside seats that i sit at sometimes and i yelled at him i go wayne quit hurting us and he looked at me and he gave me like the like the jordan like the, the, hand the things like hey sorry man you know <laughs> i was just like come on i thought he had a fantastic year he looks dialed in and i don't see him slowing down i think he's got the perfect game and body type to play in the nba for a handful of years to come I think he'd be a huge win for this Wolves, which is another reason why I like KCP because I I just want that shooting. I know Ariza can shoot and bring that. I just don't see us signing him. I could easily see him staying in Houston. I think he loves it there. I don't see Ariza leaving Houston. I could see Wayne Ellington leaving Miami because the Heat are under major salary cap concerns right now. Uh, Wayne Ellington's my choice, Rob. I'm fine with that. So Wayne Ellington moves on. Uh, next one, Hazonia or Derrick Rose? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. I think this is tougher than we may think. I don't think it is. I always love Rob says that, but he doesn't know. Uh, he, he alludes to, like, nobody, so you have no clue who he's thinking. I think it's uh, Derrick Rose. I think we need uh, point guard depth in somebody that can – be a lockdown defender. I thought he played some great defense in the playoffs, and I think he can be that pit bull on defense uh, in, at the guard position for us. And well, I think he'll be cheap. The the one thing I'll add too to this is I've seen some reports out of out of Orlando that the Magic are like a little hesitant on Hazonia, and they have been. 
and they say part of the reason he struggles is effort. Mm-hmm. And maybe he just doesn't have that passion. Well, we've already got one guy on the team that doesn't have the passion. Now, I'm, I'm not saying Wiggins doesn't give effort. He just doesn't have that, like, fire. And I don't know that we need another guy like that. And on top of that, it's a contract year. And some people have said, well, Hazonia had a better year this season. Is it because he's due a contract? I'm staying away from Hazonia, personally. And I, again, to all the listeners, we're just speaking about basketball. From a basketball standpoint, I just think Derrick Rose, and, and let's be honest, he's going to be here. Tom is going to make it happen. So whether we want him or not, he's going to be here. Uh, but also what we saw in the playoffs, I like that. And it's a little consistency, too. Mario Zoni is probably not real realistic because Derrick Rose, in this scenario anyways, knows the system. He's familiar with the players. Obviously, he's familiar with Thibodeau. I just, to me, it's Derrick Rose. Kevin, you got a tough one here. I do. Um, I, I think you guys have... Uh, uh, have touched on a lot of uh, a lot of the points that I've been kind of running through in my head. I mean, the big one with me is you know is that Derek, why you're breaking up a sweat over there? Derek Rose is you know with the injuries and and cost wise and with Hazonia, it's it's effort and production and I gotta say I've been more impressed with Derek Rose's play as of late than I have Hazonia's. So I got to go D Rose on this. Yeah, I think that's fair. Now, if we end up with Hazonia, he's only 23. So at the right price, I wouldn't complain. But again, I just I think uh, Derrick Rose is the right call. So Derrick Rose moving on, and now to the last matchup, we have Joe Harris or Luke Mamute. Oh, easy for me. It's easy for me too. Luke Mamute. Luke yeah. Richard Mamute. You know what's funny is when he was here, I remember not being a huge fan of his. I don't know. It just like. He didn't seem to mesh real well. I think now he'd be like the perfect player to bring in. If I'm not mistaken, he had just been coming off an injury. Um, so, And he's hurt right now, to be fair, although I think he's supposed to be playing. Did mm-hmm. he play in yesterday's game? He did. Uh, so he's able to play, obviously, a shoulder injury. Yes. So I don't know. I, I, I'm a fan. I think he can you know guard multiple positions, and he can shoot. That's what you're looking for. Yep. He'll probably be cheaper, too. And he'll be, and he'll be cheap, yep. yeah. So... That's what we're going with, Luke Mamute, Luke Richard. So moving back to the beginning here. So we're in the second round? We are. So second round matchup here, KCP and Jeff Green. I, for, let well, me go first here. One. It is a tough one, except for I think Jeff Green's going to make less. KCP's looking for a huge payday. And, again, I, I think there's some question marks uh, in terms of attitude with KCP. And so for me, I'm, I'm going to go Jeff Green. I think Jeff Green makes makes some sense here. So I'll go Jeff Green. Jeff Green or KCP? I like not an Je- easy call. I, it's not easy. I, I'm just – I think I would go I Jeff tell you Green. what, I like Jeff Green because if somehow Gorgie's not here or if he needs to be a, have a replacement, I think he could play the four. And I think he can help on the rebounding end of things. Sure. Uh, Shooting-wise – I'm not quite sure the volume the three-point makes for him is even close to KCP, and it, it feels kind of bad to turn down uh, a shooter, especially a young shooter such he's, as he's KCP. He's a good defender, too. KCP's a good defender. So, yeah. So, I, oh, boy, that's a really tough one. I Actually, those two guys right there could easily be my final two picks in this entire draft. This is really tough for me as well. Um, so, Aaron, did you go KCP? I went Jeff Green. Jeff Green. <laughs> I'm gonna gotcha. have to go. I'm gonna have to go KCP. Okay. 
So it is Jeff Green. It's, but it, I get I, I I don't can we go wrong either way? No, I honestly, I don't think so. If either one ends up on the team, it's a I think it's nice. The key for me though is the money aspect of it. What's Kevin? Explain why KCP for you. I mean, I, I think for me it's. I mean, overall, just an age thing, a, a versatility sure. thing. Um, if you can lock him up long term, it makes more sense than trying to lock up uh, Jeff Green long term. I, I just, there, I, I would take either one of them on this team as we speak right now and be happy with it. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a tough call for me, but just for for the youth side of things, uh, I got to go KCP. KCP shot the best in his career this season, thirty eight percent from three. So that's that's pretty solid. That's helpful. Ugh. You know, you're getting a guy that can really shoot the basketball. I might like him. I don't know. You want to you want to change? You want to change your mind? Well, does it really matter? I mean, I don't. And it's not going to change Thibodeau's mind. No. He's just going to pick who he picks, obviously. Okay. So we'll, we'll stick with JG. All right. Next matchup, we're moving to uh, Bielitsa or JJ Redick. <laughs> Is that even a question? It's. I, I think it is. Okay. Well, why, don't, why don't you go first? Yeah, then? you go first since it's so obvious. JJ Redick, hands down, simply because he is a better professional basketball player than Belly. The way he goes about his game, his preparation, his intensity—just if you watch him play for five minutes, you can simply tell he is the better basketball player. He makes instantaneous cuts. He reads the defense extremely well. He cuts with a purpose, drives with a purpose. He's a great – J.J. Redick is, from a cerebral standpoint in basketball, he would – he's up there. Let's just say sure. that. Um, and I love that. So give me a guy that has the pedigree, such as a Duke player, um, has drilled a ton of big shots. Belly, let's face it, guys, has been – extremely up and down over his Timberwolves tenure. Part of that, though, you have to admit, is because he doesn't get consistent minutes. Well, Plus, there was an injury that held him out a while, too. Mm-hmm. Plus, yeah, excuse, excuse, excuse. If he played like J.J. Redick, he'd be playing all the time. And by the way, J.J. Redick is in an amazing shape and is a healthy basketball player. So what uh, What are you thinking, Kev? Uh, for the sole purpose of wanting to bring the J.J. Redick podcast uh, to Minnesota... Uh, which I think would be pretty cool. I'm going to go J.J. Redick. I'm fine with that. I'm going to go J.J. as well. So that's one of our first sweeps. So J.J. We finally agreed on something. J.J. is moving on to look the at, Final Four. Look at us go. <laughs> Next one. I think this is this one's probably not as easy as it seems like when I say it out loud. But uh, Danny Green, Wayne Ellington. I see where you're coming from. I lean Danny Green just – off this, like right off the bat, I, I say to myself, I think Danny Green. But if if it was if 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 you're going to save a lot of money, let's say with Wayne Ellington, then that's that's attractive to me. So I don't know. Boy, that's tough. I I think I would be happy with either one. I'm going to go Danny Green just because I know a lot of Wolves fans have mentioned his name. Uh, Doogie's mentioned his name a number of times, so I do think he's a guy that would probably be realistic um, if he's willing to, you know, because I don't I don't. I think my understanding is the Spurs probably wouldn't be able to pay him as much, but I don't know that for sure. Um, but if, he, if he's looking to leave and, and we can offer him, let's say, four years, 36, that mid-level exception, I think he makes a lot of sense. So I'll go Danny Green. I'm going to go Wayne Ellington. And because Kevin's a swinger. Because I was, was going to go with Wayne just to make you choose, so now I actually have to think. 
Because <laughs> Wayne Ellington is a better free throw shooter. I think he's a better three-point shooter. Green, I put in the better defender category, which is key. We need that. I think Thibs would like that. And he's the more veteran player. It's a very, very large toss-up. However, I think you can sign Wayne to a few years. I think Danny Green is getting up there in age. I think his best years of basketball are behind him. And I think Wayne Ellington has the best years of basketball ahead of him. And for that reason, Rob, Kevin, that's why I picked Danny Green. See, I can counter that by saying Danny Green has been very consistent in his capabilities and I think in his numbers as well. Mm -hmm. You don't see a major drop-off from him, which I like. Uh, You know, Wayne... Although his numbers this year are, are staggering, it's really the first year that he's done that kind of production. And so for What's me, going to slow him down. But I mean, but that's the thing is it's a small sample size. You don't know. Correct. You don't know if you're going to get that consistently from him if it was the situation that he was in or what. So for me, I got to go with consistency, and for me, that's that's Danny Green. I think that's fair. And and to be fair, Wayne Ellington didn't didn't really outshoot Danny Green uh, this season by much. And you're not talking a huge age difference. It's like a year. So it's that close. But again, I don't know that it can go wrong either way, but but I yeah, I'm with I'm with Kevin here, Danny Green. Fair so, enough. DG's moving on. Next one is Derek Rose and Luke Richard Mamute. Well, uh, as you're listening to the Howl on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, I have said uh, over the last few minutes, a uh, handful of minutes, that I I like the way that Derrick Rose has played in the playoffs. Um, the one thing that's been a little suspect to me, though, has been his defense. I, I've seen flashes, but consistently defense-wise, I'm not I'm not seeing it. See, I thought his defense looked pretty good. His defense looked amazing. And he's <laughs> shockingly fast to me. He is, he is, especially for a guy that's had the kind of surgeries that he's, he's had. quick. He's able to. So I, I actually thought his defense, you tell me, Aaron, I thought his defense looked pretty good. Heck yeah, it looked good. I, that, that's, that was very impressive. Like that my number one selling point of keeping him on the team for basketball is because his defense is fantastic. Can we agree that it's unlikely he keeps up that like amazing three-point shooting he showed in the playoffs? <laughs> it's like 7 of 10. Yeah. I, that seems unrealistic, especially – the guy has no arc on his three-point jump shot. It, it always shocks me. I'm watching it going, wait, is this even going to make it? Like, it's weird, but it, yeah. but it does. It goes in. Uh, if he could find a way to – by the way, if he could find a way to keep that up, then it's a no-brainer for me. I would agree there. Um, I'm Plus, still going to go Luke Richard. I'll, I'll throw this out there, too. We know he'll use Derrick Rose. We don't have any idea if he'll use Luke Richard Mamute. That's, that's kind of my – my one drawback to Luke Richard is that I, there's no guarantees that the guys that he brings in will be used. We know Tom Thibodeau will use Derrick Rose. So to me, that just gives him a little bit of an edge. Yeah, that's true. This is such a tough choice for me. Because when this, the conversation first started, I would have said Ma Butte because I love that he can be a wing defender for us. But then I remembered that Derrick Rose was an MVP, and he, you know, I, I get that it was a ton of surgeries ago, and I, I'm sick of having to always put that caveat out there. But if he can play at like 70% of that, 
that's better than Luke on a, a good day. So for that reason, I'll, I'm going to go Rose. So Rose is moving on. All right, we're down to the final four. So we have Jeff Green and J.J. Redick. I'll start it off. Uh, I'm going J.J. Redick. I, I'd like J.J. on this team. I would. I'd like J.J. Redick on this team. We talked about it last year, about kind of the, the, the key cog that, that we all felt that the Timberwolves needed. And I think we were all in agreement at that point that it was J.J. Redick. And I'm going to have to stick with my guns on that, J.J. Redick. Okay, sticking to your guns. Boy. Yeah, it has to be J.J. Redick, guys. He's he's just a better basketball player as far as I'm concerned, and he fills one of our biggest positions of need, um, which is making three-point baskets. All right, we're in agreement again. Look at us go. J.J. is in the championship game. It now on the other side comes down to Danny Green and Derrick Rose. Uh, for my money, it's tough, but I'm going to go. Der- I'm going to go uh, Danny Green. I'm going to go Danny Green. Between those two, I-, I think it's actually possible you could get both of them, to be honest. But in this specific scenario, in this tournament bracket, I do go Danny Green. Oh boy, Aaron. Oh, I don't know what to do. You know, I've always had the luxury of whenever I had to pick between th- two things, I usually could just get both of them. Um, yeah, that's definitely a luxury. <laughs> Although, again, you probably will end up having a chance to get both of them. But That'd be fantastic. In this scenario, we cannot. I, I do the same, too, but with donuts at the gas station. All right, I'm picking Danny Green. <laughs> now I'm just sad after hearing Kevin talk. Um, Kevin, I, I guess it, it doesn't really matter, but what, uh, what are your thoughts? I, I say it doesn't matter, by the way, just because we have two in one. Not yeah, the yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, Although my, it doesn't. My, my opinion does not matter. <laughs> I would be okay with both. Um, I got to go Danny Green as well, then. Yep. A clean sweep. And now the championship. I almost want to – we have to pick one, but I almost want to just say it's a, it's a tie. This is T-ball, and we're all winners because either one of these guys makes it on this team. I'm very pleased. I am as well, uh, but I would prefer. Who is the players? Who are we talking about? Danny Green and JJ Redick. Okay. I, I mean, I would, I would, I would be happy with either, but I, out of the two, I would prefer to have JJ. My thing is, Danny Green brings more defense than JJ does. But I still, there's something about JJ that I just really want. I want him on my team. I. He's, I'm go he's J- our he's our great white buffalo. I'll go JJ. I'll he's go JJ. our great white buffalo. I'll go JJ. I also think JJ, we know he wants to be here. That's straight from, from Dookie. We yep. know he was willing to come here last year. We don't have any idea if Danny Green would even play here. So realistically, JJ's probably more realistic. So that's why I'm if he with. If he leaves Philly. Yep. JJ Reddick's my pick. Oh, boy. So similar to Kevin, this doesn't matter. But what do you think? <laughs> yeah, JJ Reddick. J.J. Redick? It's the better basketball player, guys. It's a win-win. There we go. By the way, this is the second year in a row we had one of the Spurs, and the Spurs made it to the championship game. So, kudos to the Minnesota Greg Popovich, who's clearly doing something right. Yeah. So, J.J. Redick is our free agent of choice. Um, obviously, hit us up on at the Howell Radio uh, what you guys think of this specific tournament or some names that you like. Uh, there's obviously uh, going to be some guys that are going to be available that we'll have to target. And Tom Thibodeau did make a point in his – 
uh, exit press conference today that three-point shooting and defense are going to be things. Sound like wings. So that makes a lot of sense. Wasn't that, wasn't of that the focal point last year? <laughs> I think it's the focal point all the time. Yeah. So we'll see. All right. Uh, so coming up, uh, quarter two is our NBA talker segment. We've got a lot to cover there. Uh, we also have our NBA 2K all day, our Howell Hardwood history, and can Kevin Cousy. Those are all coming up after the half. But next up is our talker segment, quarter two, that's coming up on the Howl. Are you looking for the perfect snack to hold you over between lunch and dinner or before and after workouts? Tear open a bag of Tong Jerky, made from select cuts of beef and seasoned with unique sauces and spices. Your taste buds will crave the flavors like original salt and pepper, sriracha barbecue, and honey pepper. Use our special code HOWL for 5% off of your orders. Don't delay. Try them today. Grab it at www.tongjerky.com. Quarter two of the Howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Myself and Rob Hess are here to break down our talkers segment. We have a slew of talking points to cover, and we will dissect each one. We may even stumble across, you know, a Howl hot take. Rob, what do we have this evening to discuss? So uh, I want to start it off. You know, I really watched pretty intensely, uh, at least the second half, of the Cavs-Pacers Game 7. That was a fun game. It was a fun game to watch. It was a great series to watch, actually. It really was. And Victor Oladipo, he has come to play. He has been phenomenal in this series and in this season. I, You know, I think it brings up the point that people have talked about, about how guys, once they leave Russell Westbrook, how much better they become. And maybe part of that's, you know, just because Westbrook is kind of kind of dominates all the statistics, kind of has the ball in his hands, kind of tries to do it all. But I don't know, Victor Oladipo looks absolutely amazing, and nobody on the Cavs can stop him. But there's not much else there. That's kind of part of the problem. Well, it happens to be another player on the court that you must stop in order to win a basketball game, and that player mm-hmm. is LeBron James. And he had a fantastic series, and he had a fantastic Game 7 scoring over 40 points. Was it twice in the series? I believe so. And he's second to uh, Michael Jordan right now. All-time playoff games, uh, 40 points. Uh, Fantastic series. Uh, NBA ratings I saw for that first-round matchup were highest they had been in a long while. They said the highest, uh, the most watched NBA first-round playoff game in 14 years. Fantastic news for the NBA. Um, it, it's a testament to the matchup. I mean, we're talking about two small market teams, Indiana and Cleveland, however, taking the national stage for the Game 7. What were your takeaways in the closeout matchup, Rob? LeBron came to play. Um, you know, Oladipo was able to do all the stuff that he could because I didn't think anyone could stop him. They tried a, a few different players. He's so quick off the dribble, so it made it really tough for the Cavs to stop him. One thing I will mention, and this is kind of a thing with uh, LeBron James being as polarizing as he is. It's funny because you're sitting on Twitter, as an example. You know, I I use a lot of Twitter when it comes to in-game stuff. Yes, of course. And I was actually golfing during the first half of the game, so I was was actually kind of paying attention to the first half uh, on Twitter. And the one thing I noticed that was kind of crazy is how much hatred LeBron gets. And then, like, it's just so much opposite spectrum. Like, you'll have a bunch of people that just hate him so much. And at the in the end of the game, I'm watching, and people kept yelling about how LeBron flops all the time. But 
as, and he does. I, you can't say that he doesn't. But at the same time, one of the worst flops I've ever seen was my guy, DeMontis Sabonis, who just, like, throws his hands up and then, like, falls over. And he got the call. But, like, it was so obvious he was flopping. It kind of bugged me that they finally gave him the call. Even if it was, maybe in the end, maybe it was a foul. He embellished before that, just kind of did the crisp ball, like, oh, my gosh, someone hit me and threw his hands up. Uh, and it was funny because I didn't see anyone talking about that on Twitter. But it was clear as day. So it's just funny because the LeBron hatred is real. I mean, well, it really is. It's a lot spicier to talk about LeBron James than it is DeMontis Sabonis, which is why LeBron is such a polarizing figure on the court in NBA Twitter. The thing about LeBron, and, and you call his flopping, is he's so physically gifted that if he didn't really flop or make it known there was this contact or fall, he really wouldn't get many calls. I remember in his younger years, it, it would, that was the case. And then he, he intellectually he came to be and was able to integrate that into his game to try to get the falls, get to the line more. You know, the player for me that stepped up the most in this Cavs victory was Kevin Love. And I, I loved what Tyron Lue did as a coach. He gets a lot of heat. He's under the microscope there in Cleveland, but he started all the guys that had been there. LeBron talked about this in the post game. He he goes with Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith, Corver, Love, and LeBron to really get things going. Tristan Thompson had the best game he had of the entire series, really was a spark, and helped them get out to an early lead. Now, Sabonis is is really blossoming into a guy that can be um, a solid player for years to come. Yeah, I, I think they got a really nice gem in that trade. Uh, I think when you're talking about Sabonis, Oladipo as well. I really like the future. I think the future is very bright with the Pacers. You know, add a couple more pieces, and I think you've got something special there. You know, going back to LeBron, I, I want to say this. They pointed this out. Um, ESPN Stats and Info, it's kind of funny. They say, raise your hand if you're a GOAT but lost in the opening round of the playoffs. And they have a picture of Michael Jordan because he's lost in the opening round. They've got Kobe. He's lost. But LeBron is one of only two people. Do you know the other person that never lost in the opening in an opening round series? Magic Johnson. Bill Russell. Mm. Bill Russell. So kind of a cool deal. I'm a big LeBron fan. I, I know uh, I'm not in the minority, but there's definitely a growing group of people that dislike LeBron James. There, there really is. Yeah, or the, do they just have more of a stage or a platform to speak it from? It's interesting, and I, I really am not a fan of the selective statistics where, you know, you're going to toss that out there after a Game 7 first-round win, and what, to call out Jordan? For, for what purpose? Okay? Yeah. You know, if he's not your greatest of all-time player, that's fine. If he's not mine, that's fine. I mean, even though he is. Um, potato, potato. You know, like him. Like the other guy. Good luck. It's not a bad choice. Um, but before we move on, let me say one last thing. I think this is kind of funny. Someone I saw a meme, um, and it's a picture of LeBron kind of giving like a confused face. And the caption is, when you've donated over $40 million for kids to go to college, never cheated on your wife, became successful without a father, almost finished building a school, and donated millions to six different charities, but you're still one of the most hated people in the world. That's crazy. I mean, the guy does it, does it the right way. And, and there's still people that just don't like him. I, I think I think part of it, though, is people love to hate the great players in some aspects. I think that happens at times. Not me, though. 
Uh, Rob, let's jump into some NBA playoff predictions. We touched on the first round matchup, which was the Pacers Cavs. The Cavaliers move on in second. That tees up a 1 4 matchup. Raptors versus Cavaliers. What is your take on this matchup in the Raptors in the second round? I'm taking the Cavs, and I do think we're going to see a little bit of playoff Kyle Lowry, if you know what I mean. You think he's <laughs> going to feel the pressure here? I think he might. I. I'm just not sold on the Raptors. They're a really good team, but I don't think they can beat LeBron. I think he's too good. Although I do want to see, I'd love to see some OG on LeBron. I think LeBron would love to see some OG on LeBron because, just because I, OG's my guy, and I'd love. I, I would like to just just to see, get a glimpse. Uh, there would be no way in hell I'm putting a, a young guy such as it, OG though. on LeBron. For me, do it for me. He's going to get put in the cooker, and LeBron is going to— I mean, everyone's getting put in the cooker, right? Yeah, well, you know, a, def- uh, a defender, um, they, they need a veteran defender to match up with LeBron. I don't know who they're going to put on him. I mean, so who do you de- have? Who do you have in the series, do you think? I really want to say the Raptors can do it, but they haven't proven it to me, and I can't bet against LeBron James. I think this thing's going to be a battle again. I do worry that they put so much effort into passing in the first round um, that that's really put them at a disadvantage. However, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think, can catapult themselves into this series off of that seven win. I think that's a very good team building. Yep buy-in kind of moment and that could hopefully lock them in to what will be a fantastic series with the Raptors I'm gonna call Cavs in six and that's what I'm sticking with yeah I think that's probably around what it'll be all right I, I would love a game seven well sliding into the other matchup in the Eastern Conference tonight as we record this show the Sixers are in Boston to face the Boston Celtics currently they're uh Sixers down 12 yes um the series is very interesting. Uh, the Celtics obviously are missing some firepower. Jalen Brown He's out did, for game one. Did yeah. not did not play. Um, but yet the Celtics continue to move on. It's next man up mentality. It's that time of season. Rob, who do you have in this matchup? Man, you know what it is almost? It's like it's 76ers versus Brad Stevens. Because that man is just such a good great coach. I, I can't say enough good things about him. I mean that's why you're missing, you're missing Irving, you're missing Hayward, you're missing Brown, and you're beating the Sixers. That's your big three. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Al Horford's been, been, been absolutely dominant. And and Danny Ainge needs all the credit in the world for what he built. The guy is absolutely fantastic as a GM. Uh, you know, I, I love what they've done here. I, I just – this is a tough one. I think this could easily go seven games. In fact, I'm going to say – it's. I don't think the Sixers are good enough yet. I'm going to take Celtics in seven. Interesting. Interesting take, Rob. The Philadelphia 76ers are a huge basketball team. They are. Physically in size, they are larger than the Celtics. I think they can wear on them. I like the veteran presence of Redick, and I think the Sixers, given some youth and some athleticism that is a bit superior to the Celtics pull this off. And I think they take this series in six games. I think they can outlast 
if they can withstand game one, you know, if, even if they go down 0-1, I think they can win four out of the next five games, um, especially if Brown has any lingering injuries. That's true. That would, that would, that would make a big difference, I think. Okay, so the Sixers in six for me. Rob has picked the Celtics in seven. Let's jump over to the Western Conference. Those listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, this is the Howl. Let's dive into the foe that just took down the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is the Houston Rockets. And another fan interest here with former Wolf Ricky Rubio's Utah Jazz. Jazz versus Rockets. Rockets have already taken game one. Could pretty convincingly. Rob, any thoughts on this? I I'll be honest, if both of the Western Conference series series games or series were to be sweeps, I would not be shocked. I'll be honest. Mainly because Ricky Rubio, they talk about he might be out a week or two. That's the whole series, probably. True. To me, I don't see how Utah has any chance. Donovan Mitchell's really good, but Ricky Rubio is a leader. And I think you need him for not only for his defense, uh, when you're talking about you know guarding some of those amazing players the Rockets have, but I just don't think there's enough firepower without Rubio because he sets so many guys up on the offensive end. So to me, I'm not going to be shocked if it's a four-row sweep. I do think the Pelicans probably steal one game. So I, I think that one, if we look at that next game, would probably be like maybe a Warriors in five. But it's not looking good for the Jazz and the Pelicans. What are you thinking? Well, the Jazz go into the series, as you just touched on, missing their starting point guard. This is not the time of season to lose a key player, especially your point guard, and then leverage that onto Donovan Mitchell, a rookie. You know, I was watching them inbound the ball. I mean, they have Exum running the point. Again, not an ideal scenario. I get it. Exum's been there a couple years. It's too much to ask against a team that any Wolves fan can tell you is a very, very good basketball team. There's a reason they had the best record in the NBA. The Rockets play their brand of basketball, and they're going to ride or die with that brand of basketball until it can be stopped. Very true. If you would tell me the Jazz were at full health, I think this is a series. I think this is a sweep. I think the Jazz um, are... Overmatched. I'm, you know, very close to both of these teams after just watching every Rockets game against the Wolves and watching every Jazz game against the Wolves. Just the matchups. I thought this would be a fantastic defense versus offense matchup, but I think it's too much to ask from some young players. It puts too much pressure, and it's going to be a burden for the Jazz to overcome. I think the Rockets can take this in four. The Pelicans, I will say, I agree with your point that the Pelicans can take one from the Warriors. I like their odds to make an adjustment. I think Holiday needs to step up and play like the guy he was in the first round when they swept the Blazers. And Rajon Rondo needs to light a fuse. They need to get it going. But if they go down 0-2, it could get rough. I think the Pelicans, if they do win a game, it has to be game two in Golden State. It just may be too much for them to overcome. The Pelicans and the Jazz, the Wolves played them. The Wolves handled both of these teams during the season. It's unfortunate. We had the injuries. We faltered at the end, and we ended up in that eighth spot because I think if we end up in three, four, five, six, 
we're moving on to the second round. It's uh, it's tough. It's crazy to think how tight the Western Conference race is. One game and, is all. It makes a big difference. And then you come down to the second round of the playoffs, and you're sitting here looking at basically two sweeps, where you're looking at the Eastern Conference, and you're saying, hey, these are going to be knocked down, drag them out, fight to the bitter end type of series. You wouldn't be surprised if any of those four teams came out of the East. Yes. But in the West, it's it's going to – I mean, you'd be shocked if it was anyone other than the Rockets or the Warriors. I was telling a friend the other night, the Western Conference Finals – if it's Rocket Warriors, that to me is really the NBA Finals. That's your championship. Yeah, no question. But it's the same, to be fair, that's why LeBron James makes the finals every year. Because he's in the East. I mean, that's a big part of it. Which, if you're looking ahead, doesn't it make you kind of say, I don't see why LeBron would join a Western Conference team. True. You know, and, no, I, I will say this though. If he was joining the Western Conference, I've seen people mention the Rockets. And it's like, first of all, how is it possible that they could even do that? But if it is, then that's the one team I would say I could I could see him considering. Otherwise, I think we're looking at uh, you, you talk about a, a possibility of an Eastern Conference Finals of the Sixers in Cleveland, and I think you talk about a possibility of watching LeBron face off with his uh, future team. Wow, Rob Hess with some bold statements Rob there. Rob Thomas over here. Jeez. Okay, Cavs, Sixers. Again, it's tough to pick against LeBron James. It's I can't find a scenario where I can, other than the 76ers are legit. They have a, a solid, balanced roster. They're deep. I like their athleticism. I think they could give Cleveland troubles, and I think Embiid is a complete X factor because I don't see a guy on the Cavs that could stop them. So who is your – let's do this. Uh, let's just look ahead to the finals. Okay. What – if, if you had to pick it right now, who do you think is going to be in the finals and who wins? I think the Warriors, and I think it's the Cavs again, and I think the Warriors take it. I That would not shock me at all. I will say this. Because I, I, I can't, just the same as I cannot bet against LeBron James and the Cavs, yeah. I can't bet against the Warriors until I see them go down. It's like to, beat, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And until then, you know, I picked the Rockets last year. Remember that? We yeah. did a nice playoff roundtable, and that was my bold prediction. For me, it's funny. So I'm not a Warriors fan. I dislike pretty much everyone on that team. I find them very unlikable, very unlikable. But I found a team I find more unlikable, and that's the Rockets. I actually am pulling for the Warriors to make it to the championship. Plus, who doesn't want to see the Warriors versus LeBron again, right? I want to see that. Other than the fact that, the Cavs have never looked weaker, and the, the Warriors, I'm gonna say now this, with though. Curry back, probably have never looked better. My dark horse to win it all. If I was, if was So if you take away the Warriors, you take away the Cavs, my dark horse to win it all, like I'm not saying this is, this is probably going to happen. I'm just saying I think the sleeper pick, if you were to put some money in Vegas, and we've talked about this in the past, would be the Sixers. Because think about how many times in our 2K simulations the Sixers find a way to make it. Mm-hmm. Like more times than you really would think. And we also talk about how incredibly accurate that those simulations are. If you were to put some money on a team just on a dark horse where you could actually make some money. You know, if you're putting money on the Warriors, you're not making much. Uh, but I'm telling you, if you wanted to, to make a little scratch, 
Uh, you could do a lot worse, I think, than you know putting a few bucks on on the Sixers just to, on the off chance they make a run. It is enticing to think of Steph Curry being guarded by Ben Simmons. Love it. <laughs> yep, I love it. Um, and and Zaza Pachulia banging in the post with uh, Joel Embiid. Yep, that ought to make for a. I, t- would, I would. I bet you they would fight within the first seven. Joel Embiid minutes. would definitely throw down with a guy like. Zaza or Draymond Green. Somebody, somebody needs to beat the crap out of Draymond Green. Can I just say that? Like, I want to see. I'm here for that. I am here for that. 100%. Rob's getting excited over there. I am. Okay, so Warriors, Cavs. Is that the consensus here in the den? Yep. And I think uh, is my. I want. Can we? Can we say this? I want LeBron to win. I just don't know that he will. I think it's fair to say the Warriors are most likely to win. The Warriors have played basketball the entire season looking like the better team. And in the playoffs, they've looked like the better team as well. I don't see that trend um, going off the tracks. The fact that we're even talking about it tells you just how good LeBron is. Yes. Because it shouldn't even be a conversation. There's, There's very few players. It's LeBron. It's Jordan. You know, it's probably what? In the history of the NBA, there's probably, what, maybe 10 to 15 guys that could have the kind of impact. And I don't even think that many that could have like that, that like doesn't matter who they're going up against. You think they have a chance. It's LeBron. It's Jordan. I mean, the list is pretty small. Yeah, there's a lot of guys through the eras, but, um, but like to go up against this Warriors team, how many guys would you say like with, with the squad that the Cavs have currently, how many guys could do what LeBron does? Not many. No, you're right. Colby. Um, It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Since we're talking about the playoffs, we're talking about the Rockets. There was some flopping going on in all these series in the playoffs. Rob uh, Talker is teed up for you next. NBA flopping. Thoughts on that? So we talked a little bit about the flopping from Game Mm -hmm. 7. Chris Paul, though, in our series, maddening. Absolutely maddening. Um, You know, James Harden does it a bunch, too. Um, not as much. Chris Paul is, is about as bad as it gets. LeBron does does flop. Did you see the play, the Lance Stevenson play in Game 7? Oh, yeah. Where LeBron gets hit in the head and it's like, I mean, come on. We're going to give the guy a foul and a tech? I don't know. There's there's just there's too much flopping going on for my money. I would like, I, I want your opinion. Is what I would like to see happen is what you see in soccer, in hockey, where the referees can legitimately say, all right, you know what? You flopped. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a tech. I think that should be... And and maybe they can, and I miss that, but that should be a thing because no, it's it, it's a it's simply if you have an egregious flop, it's a fine from the league. Yep, but, but it's want, it's but a it's very not, they small. They don't, they don't find guys very often. And well, and here's the, and here's my opinion on this, Rob, is that finding them's one thing, money's one thing. I'm talking about the game. Yeah, because the flop. If it benefits the player that's flopping, that's impacting that singular game in that moment right there. So to counterbalance that, right, is then there should be the technical. Yep. Something. I, I Just the because way it's done now, I don't like it. If the penalty is happening post-game, it's over. It's too late. The game's over. And if, if you did it to get the win, you better believe they're going to do it to get the win. Now, the one thing I'll say, there's a difference between flopping and um, maybe exaggerating. I have no. I don't really have an issue when guys exaggerate fouls. Uh, I think we've all been in games where we felt like we couldn't get a call. Yeah. And so you get fouled, and you maybe play it up a little bit. I don't have a problem with the playing up aspect of basketball. It's when you're when you're over the top. It's egregious. Like someone bumps you, and you're like, "Look, man, you're stronger than that guy. There's no chance 
he was he could physically do what what you just made it seem like happened. Like where you fly backwards or you know you see like a guy. Tyus Jones does it. He but when Tyus when does it, it's puts a little his back. throws his head back. It's a little more gamesmanship then than it is flopping because it is a foul. I think in my, in that instance, it's I think it's exaggerating. But it's when Chris Paul will just like fall over or you know he does all that stupid stuff. I I, I, <laughs> I have no time stuff. for that. Well, a prime example was he went up for a floater. It looked like he. I don't even know what he was doing in the middle of the air. His hands and legs and everything was flopping. And they zoom in on it, and he was never touched at all. But the foul was called on him. And this is another reason, Rob, why I would be uh, for penalizing flopping by a technical is through the NBA season, as you accumulate technical falls, it becomes – Chris Paul would miss some games. I'll tell you that right now. Well, he would have to stop flopping so much. And I think if they they did something where – you know, my, part of my problem is when they all they do is when they give them some sort of a fine after the fact. I think what they should be able to do instead of that fine, or maybe yes, a fine, but then be able to give them after the fact technicals. While that does not ha- help them in game, it adds to that total. And I think those kinds of things would decrease flopping. I think it'll be interesting to see if the NBA addresses that in the off season. Okay, Rob, switching gears, let's get into some WNBA and some college basketball. Lindsey Whalen, Minnesota golden Gophers head coach um, thoughts on Whalen taking on a dual role as coach and now player for the Minnesota Lynx. You know, I love it. I'm a huge Lindsey Whalen fan. I don't know how you can't be. I I will say I was a little shocked by it, not because she wasn't deserving and not because she can't do it, but it almost seemed like she was starting to transition into broadcasting because they were having her do Wolves games. Yep. Um, and, and anyone that watched those Wolves games, you could see that she was able to see plays, uh, dissect plays, and as a one of the greatest point guards we've ever seen in the WNBA, uh, you can totally – understand why they would look at her to go back to her alma mater, you know, the Minnesota Gophers as a coach, because she's someone that just sees the floor differently. I think point guards can make really good coaches just because they really have to, as players, they're already commanding and they're leading. So it's an easier stepping stone, I think, for them than it is for some other positions. Yes, this is a win all across the board, whether you're talking Gophers, women's sports, uh, any Minnesotan or any fan of the game, because what Whalen is going to bring to the team is professionalism, leadership, and a true sense of the game. And plus, I think recruiting is going to be very, very impressive. And because tickets, by the way, I'm going. I'm going to games. Season tickets. I'm already skyrocketed. a basketball fan. Like I love going to the barn. Yes, it's, there's almost nothing I'd rather do in terms of basketball. I just love going to that atmosphere. But this is going to bring in people that maybe wouldn't have gone previously. True. Well, it already has. Um, I'm excited for what the program has and and what it will look like in the future. And if you're not in tune with what they have going on, check them out. Find them on Twitter. Go and engage with them. It's going to be an interesting season, to say the least. Kind of a cool thing, I will say, um, in, in regards to Waylon. What I thought was kind of cool is how she decided not to play overseas and instead, uh, she took an internship with the Lynx, learning the general manager role and all of the things that go into that job. So she's really put her time and effort into 
uh, becoming uh, just a better overall basketball persona. Yeah, the spot on, Rob. And sticking with the theme, WNBA, a lot of key dates of coming for this season. And we want to break them down for you. Obviously, the WNBA draft most recently occurred. Training camps have now started. And the preseason is right around the corner. Preseason starts May 6th, runs through the 13th. Final roster deadlines. That deadline is actually 4 o'clock Central Time, 5 Eastern. The rosters have to be cut down to 12. So basically, first team, second team, and two reserves. And that's May 17th. So not a lot of time before those rosters are cut. And guess what happens the following day? And WNBA tip-off. And this year's sponsor, Verizon Wireless. And it's going to be an interesting season, Rob. I'm excited. Uh, Even if you're not a Lynx fan, if you're just a basketball fan, I promise you you'll want to watch this. Yes, uh, June is going to be WNBA's Pride Month, the entire month of June. I'm sure there's going to be some special announcements coming during that time. Usually they do some type of gear, some special gear, some special stuff to, that you can buy in the store in um, certain dedications over that entire month of June. July 23rd, another key date coming up, is the trade deadline. That deadline is 7 p.m. here Central. And don't you kind of like how they have a primetime trade deadline? Yes. Whereas, you know, when you're talking about the NBA, it's the it's the afternoon. It's like 3 o'clock or 2 o'clock, and it's kind of like I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice because that could be really this, like, momentous thing. You could have deadline specials and stuff like that that people could actually watch. Right. As it stands, it's in the middle of the week, and people are at work. I just think the WNBA is doing a much better job of covering their deadline as opposed to the NBA. Yes, excellent take, Rob. Another major event happening in July. Everybody listening to Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and I encourage you guys and gals to go out and get some tickets. The WNBA All-Star Game is coming to the Target Center July 28th in Minneapolis, 2.30 tip. And it's going to be huge, presented by Verizon Wireless, and I could not be more excited. I think they announced the logo. It looks fantastic. And speaking of logos, Rob, we have some new WNBA jerseys for this season. We do. Uh, And actually, the ones, um, if you go online, you can uh, actually find them. The links are the ones that they've really been uh, uh, showing off. So That's because I think they're the coolest. Definitely. And they're not... They talk about how there's not a big change. It's not like we're getting a change for all the jerseys, uh, but uh, the icon and statement editions of the new Nike uniforms. So uh, take a look if you haven't already. You can find uh, the pictures on at WNBA on Twitter uh, is where we found them. And they've, they've got some cool, I think both shorts and uh, top jerseys as well look very cool. Well, if you like the gray city edition of the Timberwolves jerseys, they have a nice gray um jersey for the minnesota lynx i like it plus if you're a big fan of the nice navy blue color they have that as well um sliding through this calendar here wmba after the all-star game this is the month of august now that entire month is wmba fit and breast health awareness month so a very fun and important month to bring awareness to those two agendas august 19th the regular season ends and if that sounds like it's ending quick, it is. Yep. Because it is a compressed WNBA season. The playoffs start August 21st. Wow. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's fast and furious this season. It really is. And and we talked about this uh, in the first quarter, but it's just going to be all that much more important, uh, you know, in terms of specifically the links for that bench to step up because girls, people are going to be tired. Right. Like, I feel like you're getting, you know, some of these younger younger players, uh, like if, if Wagner makes the team, I think she's going to be – Players like that that really have those fresh legs are going to be super important. Yeah, speaking of fresh legs, a player that is still playing in key games right now, I'm talking about Maya Moore. She's up two games to none in the Euro League Championship. Rob, some amazing statistics for those interested in the links in Maya Moore's career. What do you have over there? Yep, so uh, I saw this on Twitter. This is actually uh, via at uh, Richard Deitch. Or and uh, he pointed out, so just to go over her career, uh, four WNBA titles, two NCAA titles, two Olympic gold medals, 125 wins, three losses in high school, three Chinese league titles, a EuroLeague championship playing in Spain, and a EuroLeague championship playing in Russia, and she's only 28. Yeah, it's amazing. Unbelievable. I've uh, I've said this all along, and it's perfect that she was with Jordan Brand because now, was for, she was she not the first was she the first female yes that was brought on I mean for for good reason now we we would we want more I mean <laughs> we we want these major brands to really start taking notice but you can understand why they made that jump into women's sports she was my Jordan so when I seen first seen her play I was like this is this is it right here and she's proven Phenomenal. every Phenomenal. bit of that. Maya Moore crushing it in the game that we call basketball. Um, speaking of another fantastic basketball player, actually a duo here, Rob with a comparison, Candace Parker and James Harden. So and for, I know where you're going with this. So for anyone that, if you're a fan of KG, and you, you better be, uh, the Area 21, they had a really good segment where they had Gary Payton on the glove. Yes. And then they had Candace Parker on, and they were talking about This was hilarious, Candace by the way. Candace Parker's move, which I'm going to be honest – I don't agree with them. I don't think it's a travel. I've watched it. I don't think it's a travel. I've never understood the step-through move that these do. I've never done it in my basketball career because every time I went to go do it, it felt in my brain like a travel. But it, to me, by the, the letter of the rule, it's my understanding is it's not a travel. And it's not called. So It's never called. But now, to be fair, the, the reason why it's kind of funny is is uh, Candace Parker was uh, talking about James Harden, and she's like, if this is a travel, how is it not a travel when James Harden's out here doing the running man? And it's so funny because he, he travels, not all the time. He is amazing at what he's able to do with his feet. He really is. But he does get away with some travel. Well, yeah, he's so amazing. He makes you forget that he's taking steps. Now, the key to Candace Parker's move, if I'm not mistaken, is the fact that the pivot is established by the pass. So... She's taking a pass into the post. She has not dribbled yet. So it would be a travel if you dribbled, picked up your dribble, established pivot, and then did the step through. Well, what's funny is in the video, they say if she had just dribbled one time, it's not a travel. I disagree. I think the way she does it, you can step through and then launch off one foot and then shoot it. Uh, I'm interested to see. Uh, maybe I'll reach out to Ronnie Dunn. Well, or Ronnie Nunn, see if he if he has uh, a feel for that. I don't know, man, because even like so, imagine if you're at the top top of the key and you get the ball passed to you, and you take a step and don't dribble. That's what Gorgie gets called for every single time. You have to dribble the ball before you take the step. 
but somehow in that move you don't. See, I'm with KG and, and GP. So, I'm I'm falling within that camp. Uh, fellow uh, uh, fellow CNLSers, uh, B-Ball Breakdown. They they sent a tweet to her, and uh, they actually because they work a lot with Ronnie Nunn. If you by the way, if you ha- if you don't watch their videos, I strongly recommend it. They really can break down the game at a level most of us can't. Uh, and they said, Dear Candace Parker, you are right to be outraged by KG on uh, KG's Area 21, which that's where this actually occurred, where they talked about it. You are allowed to pick up the pivot foot in order to jump in the air to shoot. It is not a travel. And he goes on to say, and 19-year NBA ref, none better refs, Ronnie Nunn, he goes, will corroborate that. So they're, they're, with, they're, they're agreeing with me that it's not, it's not a travel. According to the rules, it is not a travel. Okay. Well, so, there you have it. I mean, that's, you know, if that's what they say. And, and here's the biggest thing, and everybody knows this about basketball. If the refs don't enforce it or they allow it, then that's the rule. The rules in some way feel like guidelines, right? Unfortunately, do, so. We've talked about this in the past. Yes. I do feel like the rules are guidelines in the NBA. and, and Which is bizarre. I, I, I think it's absolutely crazy. But you know what? That's that's neither here nor there. I I, I find it all interesting. Well, there you have it, guys uh, and gals. Uh, second quarter talkers on the howl. Thank you for listening to this quarter here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.